The old year now hath passed away, take not thy saving word away. Our souls true comfort and their stay, abide with us and keep us free from errors, following only thee. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, it is still Christmas. And our calendar year 2017 is drawing quickly to a close. The prayer I just said was taken from a collection of small organ chorale preludes in a book published by Johann Sebastian Bach in about the year 1717. It's from a book called The Orgel Buchlein. And the one I read, Das Alte Jahr, is all a prayer about the old year passing and the new year arriving. Fitting for today, that's sure. Our year has been filled with all sorts of wonderful moments together. Filled with accomplishments and achievements that satisfy and delight us. Bursting with all sorts of love and abundance. But this year has also been filled with intense tragedies and moments of great uncertainty and fear and heartbreak and personal failures and loss and all sorts of setbacks. Of all of these occasions, one thing we know is absolutely for certain. The year is now passing away, and the new year begins tonight at midnight, and the season of Christmas continues for six more days. So today we hear another version of Christmas. No shepherds in the manger this time. No mention of Joseph nor Mary. Not even a mention of the Christ child. Not even Jesus by name. Only of the one known as the Word made flesh. The Son of God. Who is close to the Father's heart. The one who has made God known. We're hearing today from St. John. We heard part of this reading on Christmas morning, and I preached on that then. But we hear today from St. John, and he wrote this beginning of his gospel, this prologue about Christ's arrival to help early groups of Christians understand why Jesus' arrival was so important for the world. Unlike any prophet who had come before, Jesus came into the world proclaiming, a love, not a judgment, a power, not a submission, and an opportunity, not some kind of spiritual blackmail. Jesus claimed things that no religious person nor group had ever truly claimed before. Jesus came into the world proclaiming a new way that God could actually love humanity so that we as ordinary people could receive power from God to become God's children. We heard this exact gospel reading on Christmas Day, but it was actually cut short, and it didn't get to this very important part. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is extremely significant. 
Because John acknowledges the very human reality that no one has ever seen God. But he goes on to reveal to us the very nature, the very nature of God's Son, the very ability that Jesus has to bring us close in to the very heart of God. He not only writes to establish this unseen God actually truly indeed has a heart, but through Jesus, we are all called to experience, to encounter, to discover, and to actually live close to the very heart of God. To celebrate Christmas, then, is to celebrate not just the act of God's love, but the ability of us to access God's love at all times and in all places. This type of access, then, means that at moments when we feel that we're in our darkest hour, that the times that we feel like we're backed into a corner or that the challenge that's right in front of us seems to not have a solution at all and it's dark in our life, in all of these moments, we're given access to light. We're given access to God's light, to God's love, and even direct access to the heart of God, the part that feels. How does this work? Well, it can work in a number of ways. The first thing that to recognize is that Christmas is all about God establishing a new creation for us. Remember how the creation story depicts God saying, let there be light. Remember? Well, in the act of saying that, of speaking that, the word of God, the word that God utters, the word that comes from God is that creating force of God. And St. John says that this is the same creative, generative, active force of God that Jesus carries around with him everywhere that he goes. And this healing, comforting, restoring presence of God that is found in the very man we know as Jesus, this presence can speak to us. This word can speak to us now and guide us into new places to find a newly created life that's a life full of second chances and third chances and fourth and fifth and unlimited chances to draw nearer to God's love. A life with Christ that can take whatever in our lives is making us miserable. A life that whatever's making us miserable and a life with Christ that can then give us the dignity and respect and the power to call ourselves children of God so that we may never forget ultimately who we truly belong to. We belong to Jesus. That's one major thing. And so alongside this gift that we've been given to become God's children and to have unlimited access to God's loving heart day and night every day of our lives, we're also tasked with dwelling in the heart of God. To live there. To enter God's divine realm and to seriously not only discern what God's heart is like, but actually to then act upon what we discern. 
When I was in seminary, my theology professor, Kate Sonderegger, would take us every year to the National Gallery of Art. She would take us through a number of different rooms showing us religious art, but then she would take us to the most difficult, graphic, saddest depiction of Christ's crucifixion and ask us the question, how in the world would you explain this to a child? How would you explain this to a child? Her instructional methods were testing us about what our religious knowledge and what religious art can actually teach us about God's very nature. One student finally piped up and said, well, I I guess that what we can definitely relate to a child is that God is one who aligns God's very presence alongside those who suffer, who mourn, who are powerless, that God hurts when creation hurts. Very good, my professor responded. So let's go back to class and talk about it. And so as we continued our studies, we were invited to read the Gospels through a lens of Jesus' actions and ask, what does this action say about God's properties? Who is God in light of this? And as we did this over a period of about three years, we began seeing that all four Gospels, including John's Gospel, that with his heavy emphasis on being grounded firmly in the knowledge and love of God, we began seeing that God's presence in Jesus calls us into a holy life, calls us to live our lives for others and for the life of the entire world, to put away petty things and instead to draw nearer to things that give us a life of grace and truth and love, that to recognize that through the presence of Jesus, God's creative spirit, that generative, actionable, living part of God has come into the world in the form of a human being to show us how we, as the anointed one's disciples, can also be the healers, the peacemakers, the bridge builders, the restorers, and the ones in this world who bless the world back into the beauty of its original created state. We're the ones who are tasked with loving the world with God so much that we literally heal the world through the love that is poured out from us in everything we do by the love of Jesus, that eternal, never-ending, living word that is from God, that is with God, that is God. We have been given this power and this responsibility. But this is winter in Phoenix, as we just sang, the bleak midwinter. The days are still short. It's not real bright outside. This is a tough time of year. This was a very tough year in general, and many of us are tired because the holidays can take a lot out of you. True. So are we willing to take on this power that's given to us and to live into our responsibilities that come with it? 
How can such transformation, this is really, really hard work. How can such transformation at Christmas really happen? Okay, so let's stay in the Christmas genre and let's look for stories of transformation of being called into living into a new creation that Christ's arrival gives us. Hmm. Where can we look? Probably don't have to look very far, actually, do we? Remember Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol? When Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol, he observed the exploitation of people, the strife of people's lives, the huge societal cost of the English Industrial Revolution. He saw children working in coal mines and families forced to work seven days a week around the clock just so they could eat. And he himself, Charles Dickens himself, was a victim to this system because his father was thrown in jail because he was late on a payment on one of his debts. He was imprisoned. So Charles Dickens, when he constructs a Christmas carol, he's thinking about how do I characterize this downfallen world that I'm seeing all around us? And so he decides to do that by personifying all of this reality in his society in one person. None other than Mr. Bah Humbug himself, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. A man who is the epitome of winter. Someone who is so greedy and heartless that underpays and overburdens his employee Bob Cratchit with so much work even on Christmas Eve in the evening. And since most of us know this story already, we've all heard it, let's only briefly review. That through the course of the night on Christmas Eve, Mr. Scrooge is warned by the ghost of his late co-worker, Jacob Marley, that he must repent, amend his ways, or face eternal banishment from everyone. Scrooge then through the night receives three visits from spirits who show him aspects of his own life from Christmas past, Christmas present, and the Christmases yet to come. And when confronted by a self-induced horrible demise, Mr. Scrooge begs for mercy. He sees the opportunity in Christmas. He sees the light and he promises to amend his ways because he realizes that the gift at Christmas is that Christmas gives us an opportunity at new life, at a new start at a new way to be, to be given this gift, to be given the power to be children of God this Christmas season. So like Mr. Scrooge, we can reflect on our own lives this Christmas by looking at our past and our present and by the hopes of the years that we have to come. And realize that the arrival of Christ into the world propels us into a relationship with God that places us close, tenderly, to God's heart as a true child of God, filled with great power and great responsibility. The end of the year and the arrival of this living word of God into our lives brings us new opportunities. 
opportunities to overcome the dark times, opportunities for peace and goodwill towards all people, and an opportunity for us to be closer to God, literally close to God's heart, close to the essence of ultimate truth and love as we can fully know it, closer to Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, Because of God's love and God's desire, at the end of the day, also anoints us for the good work of God in the world. God also anoints us. And this, my friends, is my prayer and my hope for all of us in the new year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.